Hi, everybody. Welcome to the What in the Shibar podcast. And if anybody is wondering what Shibar means, Ed, do you want to explain what it means? Just like a general feeling of like, fuck shit. So right. we like to think of it, of What in the Shibar podcast as a podcast where we just talk shit about, about shit. shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, in general, I think this podcast is intended to, I don't know, I guess a lot of people want to hear us speaking in a more long format, you know, you know, way in order to kind of conceive our entire thoughts. Cause I think little blurbs on TikTok, which I guess we'll touch on is who we are and why we're here. I mean, not to mention that there's a lot of things we can't say on TikTok that we would just love <laughs> to say on here. So welcome. We're so happy to have you. Um, I'll start. My name's Susie. I go by Suji One on TikTok, which is most likely how the majority of you who are watching the first episode or listening to the first episode would know me. Um, and I, like many other people, particularly Gen X people, got on TikTok during the pandemic because I was like, well, there's nothing else to do. And if I sit in the room with my children and my husband for another hour, I'm going to kill myself. So I need to find something else. So I went straight to TikTok and I just watched for a little while. And then I was like, I can do this. I can make a video. People want to know what I'm thinking. And they didn't for a long time. <laughs> And then I did, you know, a few more things and then it just kind of grew from there. And uh, I don't know. Now I find myself thinking that I can carry a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Weird how the ego works. <laughs> right. How about you, Ed? How did you find yourself making a podcast? Well, thanks for taking my intro away from me. Sorry. I'm Ed. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Ed. Uh, many of you guys, if you do follow me on the socials, my name is Etcha Sketch. I'm going to say that again. Etcha Sketch, like that game with the, oh, that's not a very good physical gesture you know the game with the knobs <laughs> that you draw with the magnetic thing you know just just google it um yeah. but yeah i started getting on tiktok mainly during the pandemic as well mm -hmm. it started out as just also watching tiktok and just being like oh i want to play with this filter and then shortly about a couple weeks later the Spot shooting in atlanta happened yeah. and when the victims were ignored while the shooters minister was interviewed on the second day i decided i was going to honor their stories and that's just kind of how that took off yeah and i think there was being asian american on an app like that you can't well you can't help but talk about things like that or at least it you, it takes effort to not acknowledge it like it's almost impossible not to in in any comment section i'm ever involved in or any video that i make or even when i make comments on other people's videos somehow my koreanness finds a way of you know coming out and it could be completely unrelated to anything i'm talking about but somehow it's like oh well you know you think that cuz you're asian or only an asian person would think that or you know you know i love how people always insert oh you people always insert race into it. it's like we didn't do anything right. we experienced life this way because of the way you view us right. and put us in a box so it's not that we make it about race it's just inherent to our identity and our experience you know and, and ironically that's the entire point to me the entire mission of why i want to be on social media and be you know and and make a podcast is in order to normalize just how normal we really are and i think that is something that a lot of people fail to recognize and understand is like i'm just like everybody else and i think because of tropes and stereotypes and things like that they expect me to be one way and when they hear or see me doing something that they don't expect they're like well you're not a middle-aged asian woman as i have perceived them my whole life i'm like well 
How many middle-aged Asian women do you know that you've talked to? How many of us do you actually have any communication with that you think you've formed, you have an informed opinion of who we are? And news fucking flash, we're not a monolith anyway. So even if you know a hundred of us, we're all still different, just like everybody else. And knowing that I'm not, you know, this like, everybody on TikTok is like, are you obviously a lawyer? I'm like, I'm obviously so not a lawyer. Like, I couldn't be the furthest thing from a lawyer. If you were a lawyer, you'd be served, and you'd <laughs> yeah. be served, and you'd be served. You've already violated 10 laws as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'll sue your ass anyway, just for fun. It's like, uh, you know that sound that's like, oh, I found this thing, and it's like my whole personality yes. now. That was me. When I was young, I saw that all the representation of Asian people were these, like, and for lack of a better word, they were portrayed to be pathetic. Yeah. You know, they didn't Especially have a men. Yeah, they didn't have a backbone. They were, you know, either like fetishized or whatever. So from a very young age, I decided to become very contrary. Mm -hmm. And I decided that was going to be my whole personality. Your like, act of rebellion. Yeah. Even like in high school, <clears throat> someone asked me what my favorite dog was. And at the time, like the rage against pit bulls was like the in thing. So mm -hmm. at the time, I didn't even know what a pit bull looked like. And I was like, pit bulls, yep. because you hate them. Yep. Because I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be afraid of them. So that makes, yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think too, as an Asian man or growing into an Asian man, like you were, there were two camps you could be part of, right? The nerdy long duck dongs of the world or Bruce Lee. And if you didn't know martial arts, you were asked out and you were automatically put in the long duck dong category. I was a chunky kid. So I was <laughs> not Bruce Lee. And unfortunately for me, I did kind of fall into like right. the smart mathematic <laughs> kid, you know? So... It was not. Yeah, it so you had to do whatever fun. you could to rail against that so that you weren't kind of put in this, you know, constant stereotypically, you know, scenario where it's like, oh, well, that's Ed. Ed can help you with your physics. Ed yeah. can help you with geometry. I'm like. I mean, I basically <laughs> literally like like as a basic ass person, even like covered myself in tattoos so that your first inclination of me is like, oh, maybe that isn't what I normally envision, right. you right. know. Well, and, and I think, too, as an Asian woman, obviously. There are so many stereotypes for what Asian women are, right? So especially as, you know, a young Asian American woman dating or things like that, it was like there were the fetishized, sexualized Asian woman, the hypersexualized, you know, Vietnamese hooker trope, right? I can't tell you like how many times, you know, me love you long time has been said to me. And I'm like, why, why do I have to just accept that? Why do you, are you trying to date me? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, no, I don't accept this. But as an Asian person, we are conditioned to think that these are just things that we have to just take. And just the abuse that we experience is just something that we just have to deal with. Because, hey, it's better, better this than other stuff. It could be worse. It's like, that is unacceptable too. <laughs> like all of these things are unacceptable. Why have I been conditioned for my whole life to think that I should be taking these abuses gratefully? Fuck that. So I think it's partially because of our culture and our families, like our parents' upbringing. But right. then it was then supported and validated by the media. 100%. We were portrayed to be these people without a voice. If we were portrayed at all. At all, <laughs> right. right. If we were even there. If we weren't being represented by white people playing us in media. Yes. Or the like two Asian people in the background in an episode of MASH. You know, that was like the extent. That was the extent of what I saw in media as a kid. I was like, oh, look, look, look. There's an Asian person. That's David Carradine. He is not Asian. <laughs> I mean, it was like... Oh, okay, just kidding. Oh, but there is that one Asian lady. The first Asian lady I saw was on Different Strokes. 
the teacher, I can't remember what her name was, but I was like, oh, she's a real Asian and she's on TV and she's playing a teacher and she doesn't even have an accent. And, but then that was it for the next wow. like what, two decades of my life. <laughs> I mean, I would say the first person that I remember as an, a quote unquote Asian representation and I'm making this face because I know what I'm going to say, but you don't. Say, I'm nervous. Was Miss Swan on Mad TV? Yeah, I can't. And I literally at the time, <laughs> and I wasn't like a young kid by any means. I was young, but I was like maybe like middle school, yeah. you know? I thought she was Asian. <laughs> I thought she was Asian. And, you know, I grew up in this, in a very predominantly white area. So I was just under the impression that like, oh, she's part Asian. This is her taking, you know, this thing back. Ew. And then even to try to fit in, quote unquote, you know, I would laugh and imitate Miss Swan. And looking back at it, I feel so sad for that little kid, you know, because know. a lot of his confidence, his exposure, what he thought his self-value mm -hmm. came from what people thought of it. And that is the reason why I became so contrary because one day I was at a Sam Goody. I know this is going to age me, but if you guys remember, you know, people used to buy these things called CDs, you know, <laughs> to listen to music. And I forget what exactly had transpired, but my aunt and my mother were there with me. And my mom was just like, you know, very traditionally, put your head down, don't make a scene. She was like, let's just get out of here. And my aunt said these three words, or four words, which nowadays is associated with one name, being Karen. But she said, I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> Good. And that was the first time that I'd ever witnessed anybody, let alone any submissive, quote unquote, submissive Asians, right. being like, nope, I'm not accepting right. this. And I remember that changed my life yeah. i remember being like i can i, I can do am that I allowed to do that yeah we're allowed to do that Will the manager talk to me <laughs> yeah i was like and to this day i still get like anxiety you know authority figures and all of that because we've been you know conditioned this way but it changed my life i think at times for me growing up my my parents were the same you know don't don't ruffle any feathers don't talk so loud don't laugh so loud it's fine don't make a you know don't make a problem that, and I heard that and it was so deeply ingrained in me that I started to just make problems because I was so sick of being told to not make a problem. Relatable. So I was always just trying to fuck shit up. I was like, we're ditching school, we're smoking cigarettes, we're drinking at 12 years old, I don't care. I'm gonna do whatever I can to break this fucking stereotype because I hate it. I hate, because I had a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of opinions. I have a lot of feelings. All of these things were just stifled in me. Like continually and being reinforced by every person in my life that I was like, I have to do something. I have to get this out of me and I don't know how to do it. So the only way that I knew how was to be bad. And in retrospect, if my kids, I have two children, I have two daughters, you know, eight and 11, if they grew up to be as quote bad as I am, I think I'll still be okay. Because I wasn't bad, like scary bad. I just did stuff that I was like, I have to do something to feel like I have some kind of control. I have to do something to feel like I have some kind of power in this world. And if that means that I'm gonna write and forge notes at school, if that means I'm gonna smoke cigarettes in the bathroom, I'm gonna do it. Because that just means that I, I get to do something that isn't just being quiet and just shutting the fuck up. So that's kind of been my life's theme is like everywhere, I, I don't, I don't wanna say I'm looking for trouble, 
But if I hear trouble or I know trouble is coming, I am the first person to stand right in front of it because I am so sick of being told to stop. I hate that. I hate that feeling. It is. It's. I mean, luckily for your daughters, we live in a more evolved society, I would like to think, where we at least know that when kids act out, it's typically something right. going on in their lives Absolutely. that they're trying to get attention right. for, which is exactly what the case was because I did the same thing. I mean, I used to, I started smoking cigarettes when I was like 12 and all this stuff same. because I was doing everything in my power to not be that person that was represented on the screen. Right. You know what I mean? And it didn't matter. <clears throat> And I, and I think, but, but then there was this like weird juxtaposition because I was held to these standards in an Asian house right. where it was like you had to perform or my case, I used to get beat, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, it was like you either had to be happy or you had to avoid getting beat. And there was like a really hard way to reconcile all of it, you mm-hmm. know, and try to live in between all of it, which is why I think when I, in my teenage years and especially when I left school, I became like so reckless yeah. and just totally because I was just lost, of you course. know, it was <clears throat> for me, I was just really, I, I've always been really hyper aware of the people around me and how they're feeling. And I think a lot of that has to do with like, my dad and like, you know, I was always making sure that everybody was really happy around me so that I could establish like, you're okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. So then I can kind of like give you this false sense of security that I'm not actually going to do stuff that's not okay. You know what I mean? Like I found ways to get around it, to hide it. Like I had every teacher, every administrator, the vice principal, the principal, all fucking fooled. They were all fooled. It was awesome. When I look back now, I'm like, the shit that I pulled off, sorry, Mrs. Morrison in the attendance office, I would work the, so let's, I mean, so let's just be honest. I used that model minority myth to my advantage many times. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, to be fair to ourselves, to be fair, we have to admit those things too, because I was the kid that was like, oh, Mrs. Morrison, you know, you've had a really long morning. Why don't you go get a cup of coffee? I can take care of everything in the attendance office. Don't worry. (laughs) I got everything under control. She would walk out and I would literally just take all of the notes and all of the bad like slips that my friends would get. I would get them out of classes. I would have a stack of permits to reenter class. And she'd come back and be like, did you enjoy your coffee and your donut? She's like, I did, Susie. Thank you so much. You're always so helpful. I'm like, my pleasure. And I would just get away with it because... I was like, if I'm gonna do it, this is the this is the only way. I gotta use it to my advantage. Yeah, I've definitely used the Asian model minority myth to my advantage in school a bunch of times to get out of trouble, or you know, tickets, or like arresting. That doesn't work too well for me as much. Yeah, it's different. But like for instance, like uh, I forget her name, but sorry to my seventh grade science teacher class, but uh, (laughs) teacher, but in that class one time. While the teacher was out of the room, me and this kid got in a fight. And I used to wear glasses. I still wear glasses. Um, and he knocked them off my face. And, like, I have a decent tolerance, you know. But when people cross a line of severe disrespect, yeah. I, I redline. Yeah, same. And I punched him twice and, and like, <laughs> kind of broke his nose. and was, like, bleeding. And this girl in her class literally went and grabbed the teacher. Um, he got suspended. I didn't even get a slap on the wrist. Her literal words were, Ed, do that. She's like, no, no. not the Ed I know. Right. The Ed that gets straight A's right. and passes every test with right. the highest grade. No. And that, but that's the thing, too, is like, so we have to 
balance and negotiate all of these things, right? We have to balance and negotiate the model minority myth, which I hate, but I have to cop to the fact that I have definitely used that to my advantage. Then all the stereotypes that we have, you know, have been imposed on us, like there's so much to it. And I think that's my whole point is like, I have never really spoken about these things. I've never really talked about the ways in which the outside world affects me, but how I affect the outside world. And I think this is a really good way for me to, if nothing more, to just purge the thoughts that I've had my whole life. And I think that has been what social media and now, you know, this podcast is going to be is just like, I want people to look at people like us and be like, oh my God, I've experienced those same yes. things. Yes. I get feeling that way. And I think as <clears throat> Asian American, as an Asian American man, there's a different set of things that you go through. And as an Asian American woman, there is a different set. And then how those things intersect and how we move through society and how society perceives us, like all of these things, like, I don't know that outside of like academia, that these things get really talked about. I don't see people like us just having a conversation about like being Asian is fucking crazy sometimes, or, you know, being Asian comes with a lot of bullshit. Yeah. And I don't see that or hear that a lot. And it's like, I want people to know that like, hey guys, I'm just a normal lady and I got, you know, some shit. I got baggage. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not perfect. And so many people expect that of us. And even if like our experiences are slightly different, a lot of them are relatable with other people. You right. know what I mean? And, and I think that's what it is for me too. I think a big portion of it is to, because I understand what the lack of representation did for me and how long, I mean like literally up until like a couple few years recently that it took me to really feel really comfortable and own and actually love and embrace the fact my identity, you know? So it's, I just don't want anyone to go through that again. And then on the flip side, outside of, you know, people who look like us seeing us and being like, wow, I can be that. Mm -hmm. I also want people who don't look like us to then see us and be like, wow, you know, that person isn't as different as I thought they right. were or wow, I didn't know about that perspective, right. you know, because right. like it, it's not talked about. Right. That's like it blows my mind that hundreds of years of being here that yeah. like Kiwe Kwan's speech is like mind blowing for so right. many people when for many of us people of color immigrants in this country, it is a daily thing that we right. experience, right. you know, when Michelle Yeoh gave her speech for that and she's like, you know, the it, basically she's saying the racism I, you know, was met with in my early days in Hollywood and to now be 50 years later, 40 years later down the line, finally getting the recognition. It's like, yeah, people are like, oh, that is an outrage. She, Hi, that happens to us every single fucking day. Yeah. Every day. You know, I, and, and, and that's the thing too, is people are like, oh, but these things are so small with the Asian community. It's, it's different for other communities of color. It's like, yes. And I acknowledge that too. hundred percent. I 100% uh, acknowledge that my experience is very different than that of a black person, an indigenous person, or even other people of color. I understand that. And I recognize that. And I think that's something that the Asian community fails to do too. It's like, you guys, we need to acknowledge our privilege too in this country. And the fact that we don't, or when we do not, it makes it, it it's just as bad. It's just as bad. So I guess back to my point was <clears throat> if we don't acknowledge these things and talk about these things in a very just kind of, I don't want to say casual, conversational, conversational yeah. relatable way, mm -hmm. I, I feel like people kind of categorize us as, you know, oh, well, these things don't really happen. We get othered. But 
And people are like, oh, well, these are just like microaggressions. Well, they're just called microaggressions because they're small. What's the big deal? It's like, okay. And I've used this analogy before. It's like, if you get one paper cut, it's not that big of a deal. But if I get 10,000 paper cuts, I'm going to bleed to death mm-hmm. and I'm going to die. It's going to hurt. It's going to fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. Even and, one paper cut. Right. Hurts. hurts. It still hurts. And the idea that people think like, oh, well, you know, when somebody asks you, you know, where you're from, and then they say, where are you really from? And you have to say like, I am from here. I cannot be from somewhere else if I was born here. Mm -hmm. I'm from here. And the disbelief that I am, that is painful. And 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 I think a lot of Asian Americans experience this. But, and I read this weird statistic today that said that like in 2016, like 70% of Asian Americans were born in a different country. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if everyone feels this way, but especially for those of us who were born here, I think it stings a little more. Of course. Because being born in this country means that you are entitled to certain things, like right. running the country, which right. is like the ultimate job right. here, right? So for people to say that to us means that they're almost like, just taking that away. Right. You know, they're not acknowledging the fact that we have the same starting point, right. you know? You don't qualify yeah. in the same ways I qualify. Right. But you, but I was born here, so I'm from here, but like you You can't possibly. Yeah, have no, been. not you. And and that and that's my whole point is like I I get these microaggressions all day, every day, in so many different forms. And even from people in my life, people that are like my friends. And I'm like, the fact that I constantly have to point out to you, like when you say that, this is what it really means. And I know that you think that in your mind, you're being playful and you're being, it's funny to you. But what you're not understanding is that you're saying some one-off comment to me. I'm getting hundreds of one-off comments every week, sometimes daily, depending on what kind of video of mine is going viral. You know, like I get these things and have my whole life. So when you say something that effectively is making sure that I know, that you know, that I'm not white or whatever, these things are painful. Yeah. And these things accumulate over time. Mm-hmm. And it's a very heavy burden for us to bear, even though to you, the word microaggression means something small. Yeah, because not. it doesn't happen to you. But right. for some of us, those things happen daily, so we don't inject it into the conversation. Right. It's just constantly on our minds, and it's hard <laughs> when stuff like that happens on the daily, hourly basis or whatever. When something happens, it's hard for your brain not to question if it was that. Right. You know, was, was I treated a little differently? Was there a slight aggression or whatever because of our identity of right. what we look like, you know? So I think what I want to do also, and I think something that's really important is to also talk about our joy, you know, our joy as, as just humans. Mm-hmm. But I think too, I think so many Asian Americans and people who perceive us, don't get to see that necessarily. Like no. seeing Kihi Kwan and Michelle Yeoh experience this this joy having been nominated, people are like, wow, that's really, it's something, it's really, it, it's so profound. For you. Is that because you don't really see us yeah. being happy? For you. Yeah. It's, it's funny when Michelle Yeoh won that and everyone started you know, giving her all the accolades. It's just really funny because as an Asian American, if you grew up in an Asian American house, your parents and grandparents know Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. since I was a kid, she was like this goddess Iconic. to my mom. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah. And it's just funny because she had all of our support right. and the accolades right. from our community the whole right. time. But, but 
she doesn't just live on our screens. Right. We live in America right. and she deserves right. that recognition. And, and we want to see, <clears throat> or I want people to see us being able to celebrate and be happy and not just because it's Chinese fucking New Year or Lunar New Year. You're like other things too, just celebrating our daily accomplishments outside of like, oh, because I think when people think of Asian Americans, we fall like again into a couple categories, right? We're highly academic, we're professionals, we make millions of dollars a year, you know, we live this American dream, blah, blah, blah. It's like- Or Chinese food. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. Or, but I want people to see like, I I pack lunches for my kids and it's a win when the lunchbox comes home empty. Like mm -hmm. normal shit, mm -hmm. normal fucking shit. I don't want to just be held to this high standard all the time. Yeah. I have small little accomplishments yeah. too that I want people to acknowledge as a woman, as a mother, as a human being that yeah. I don't, that isn't like, oh, so you don't have a PhD? No, bitch. I barely barely graduated. Yeah. I like literally spend 90% of my day worrying about what I'm eating for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. Just like just you like do you. every day. Just like you. I spend too much money on DoorDash. Just like yeah. you. You know, it's like, and, and I, I feel like if, if we just normalize how normal we are, I feel like that would make great strides. And I think for a lot of younger, I will tell you the highest number of people in my DMs outside of people threatening my life. <laughs> that's not funny. I don't know why it's I'm not, laughing, but that's the only way to cope. It's you know, dark humor, right? We're all yeah. just coping. Um, you know, is is young Asian Americans who are like, it's so nice to see a woman who is of your age speaking to me in this way. My parents don't talk to me like this. My parents don't express themselves to me this way. My parents are first gen, you know, immigrants or, you know, whatever, or they're, you know, immigrants. And I don't have these open conversations with them. I'm not able to talk to them about my sexuality or even my hobbies or my dream job. Or shit, what I did this weekend. Right, totally. Yeah. Or how fucking wasted I got. Or like that I, you know, got through an entire, you know, psychology class high as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and to see that like they can express themselves or that I can express myself, I think would do, I don't know, it would have done a great service for me. You know, I didn't see anybody like me just having an open conversation just about yeah. life. That's why I feel like really hopeful for this next generation slash like mm, a little bitter, you know, like yeah, I would have loved to have been, yeah, like would have loved to have grown up right now, you know? <laughs> right. But, you know, even seeing things like all of the diverse content that's being, mm -hmm. you know, viewed. And like, I didn't realize how much I valued seeing shows featuring being made by people of color yeah. until I started watching it. And then, and I don't mean this in any way, but like, and then I would go back to normal scheduled programming, which, you know, let's be real, was very bland. Yes. And then realizing that, oh, I don't love this as much. Mm -hmm. I don't really connect with it. Right. And it's just, very refreshing to see. I totally agree. I totally agree. And when I when I'm making videos or I'm you know doing this or whatever, the, my central theme is like, <clears throat> how would younger Susie perceive this? Would she look at this and be like, "Wow, that's so cool"? Would she be like, "Oh, oh I was an asshole," so I would have been like, "You're a dork. You're cringy as fuck, mm -hmm. bitch." <laughs> I was a little shit. <clears throat> they say like eight year old you and eighty year old you. Right, so look back as an, your 80 year old self, would I be proud of that? Or your eight year old self, would you admire that person? Yeah, or regret it. Or regret it, yeah. right. And I'm like, that's a, 
It's a, it's a tough, my, I think it was my friend Rebecca, white woman whisperer on TikTok. She's amazing. And Portia, Portia Noir on TikTok. They're amazing. Uh, and I were having this conversation and they're like, if you project yourself forward and think like as an eight year old child looking at myself, I'd be like, wow, she's really smart and funny and cool. Or would it be like, I can't relate and I don't understand anything she's saying. An eight year old me is like, why was I, why would I say something like that? I didn't, that's really fucking embarrassing. <laughs> so both our younger and older selves would think we were cringing. Right, probably. <laughs> but I would like to think as 80 year old me, I'll look back and be like, but at least you did something. At yeah. least you did something about it. And you didn't just sit there and, you know, not make any waves. And I'm, I'm fine with making waves at this point in my life. I don't, I'm, I used to be afraid of it. No, I wasn't afraid of it. I was afraid of the, consequences but what are the consequences now of me not talking about it you know allowing or knowing that there are going to be kids growing up in this world in and experiencing the same bullshit I did I don't I I, I can't do that I can't just sit by and do that I don't want to yeah I, I want to even when things don't work out the way they do I know that for me at the end of the day if I knew if I know that I did what I could right that's enough for me and I think that this that's what this is I'm not thinking that we're going to change the world or, you know, it doesn't even have to be that deep. I'm sure a lot of these, we're just going to talk about oh like God. TV shows we watched this week, you know? Words, it's not that deep triggers me so bad. Yes. <laughs> yes. From, but, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Outside of this context when people are like, oh, it's not it's that, not that deep. deep. But I just mean like, you know, it doesn't have to get so heavy all the time and I don't think it will. I but don't think it should. I think that's the point. Yeah. We're just normal people yeah. who like to complain and or just like, like you know, experience share stories. like yeah complaining is great oh, i love to we complain. have to complain mm. i love complaining because otherwise how do you cope right how do you cope and what is really a complaint right a complaint is is you awareness. putting an idea to an awareness to something mm -hmm. that is either harmful annoying yeah you know confusing you know all of these things look a complaint is only a complaint if it ends there Right. If it goes further than that, you're just identifying the problem. Right. right. And we're putting an idea to mm -hmm. a problem, I think. And I think that is my main goal in life, especially, you know, and I'm, I'm going to try not to talk about my kids that much because they are, I don't want them to be <laughs> oh, like my man. whole identity, like yeah, a yeah. lot of moms. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because God, that drives me fucking crazy. And then it's going to drive you. Have a fucking personality. Well, Jesus. then it's going to drive you even more cringy when you get home and they're going to be like, mom, oh that was God, embarrassing. Don't talk about me. But there's a lot of stuff there. Being the mother of two, you know, mixed race, half white, half Korean kids, one looking far more white than the other it's it's a thing in my yeah. house you know it's so, but i'm gonna try <laughs> i mean the topic will come up it will it will happen but i mean yeah. either way there's no way they're not going to identify with their korean part of their identity because no. they have you yes yeah and, and i and you're gonna hammer I, that shit I in there i really do mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like this is kimchi and you're gonna like it and you're gonna <laughs> eat it with your pizza <laughs> Even if you don't want to. My younger daughter's like, okay, that sounds great. My older daughter's like, please don't make me. And that like, it's it's so hard for me. When I make Korean food and my older daughter won't eat it, I'm like, yeah. My little, like, I'm like, listen yeah. to me, bitch. You are Korean. I don't care if you look like a little redheaded girl with freckles. God damn it. Because <laughs> she is. She's like white. And she's got like strawberry blonde hair and freckles. I'm like, who? Are you? <laughs> That's just so crazy. Dude, it's so I just crazy. always assume that our genes were like, boom, strong. Can I you know? tell you, when I first got pregnant, I told my white husband, who is white 
has a red beard, light brown hair. I was like, listen, Asian genes are very dominant. Yeah. How do you feel about your daughter is going to look Asian? Mm, yep. Nothing like you. And I want you to, you know, really embrace that and treat her, you know, like you would, you know, whatever. She Karma. comes out blonde. Karma. I was like, if I didn't see her come out of my vagina myself, I would have never believed that. This that was is not switched at birth, ma'am, <laughs> nurse, lady. This, this something happened. Yeah. I don't know if you can see this, but she's clearly <laughs> like some kind of magician. You like yeah. some kind of crazy switcheroo. Like, is this smoke and mirrors? Like, what? Who is? Whose baby is this? You know. So, but that's you know that's definitely a theme in my house. Is like my Koreanness and like. There's a difference between acknowledging, appreciating, and pushing. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm, I do concern myself. I'm concerned with that too. Yeah. Well, that's, this is us, you know, this is who we are, and this is just what it's going to be. So, and, you know, for those of you who have tuned in to our inaugural <laughs> podcast, well, I just want to give a quick backstory. <laughs> Susie is laughing at that because the other day I used the term maiden. <laughs> And then instantly I was like, oh my God. Oh my Maiden God. Voyage? I, was like, I sound like an 80 year old. I was like, oh geez. I was like, I don't know if people use that <laughs> yeah. term anymore. I was like, you know, when like a ship goes on its first sail and they break the champagne. I was like, why am I talking like this? <laughs> but I think um, for those of you who are listening and, you know, are going to stick with us, I, I, I know that this is going to be something that hopefully will bring value to people in ways that they may not have, you know, originally thought. And I think the ironic part of that is going to be just like how normal our conversation is. And yeah. I don't want it to be earth shattering every single time. No. I can't handle that. It's too much. Just, I want to talk about just my shopping trip to Trader Joe's. Yeah. And then I saw Dukboki or that, you know, mm-hmm. they're selling terrible kimchi there. And that's cool. It's terrible, but it's cool that it's there. But this is our life. Yeah. You know? Oh, also, I'm going to get Ed to finally um, try all kinds of foods because every time I post a food, you're like, I've never tried that. I'm like, you've never had like a grapefruit? (laughs) Welcome to the repercussions of being picky and OCD. Oh, is that what it is? Well... I'm going to, we're, we're going to do some food content too. Cause well, that's I mean, yeah, food. I mean, I love food, but my mom forced a lot of foods on me. So there was like a lot of foods. I was like, aversion. Yeah. Welcome to growing up Asian. <laughs> Maybe that should be the name of our podcast. <laughs> no, cause it would just be us crying a lot. <laughs> that would be too much crying. There's a lot of trauma. Yeah. It's mostly only just trauma. Well, on that note, thanks for joining. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's, what's our sign off going to be? Don't you have to have like a sign off? Like a, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) I do. I don't hate that. Okay, bye. Well. Okay, so we're going to start our socials. So we're going to have our Instagram pages up. Like maybe you should plug that real quick. Uh, So we did start socials on all of these. It's just what in the Shibad on everything. Make sure you follow me at Etch-A-Sketch. Follow me at Sujio1 on Instagram and TikTok. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. bye. (laughs) I love Disneyland. No, because then you know what's going to happen. People are going to screenshot it. And then we're going to get memed. And then next thing you know. It's okay. What what do they say? All all press press is is good good press. press, Right? There's no such thing as bad press, which is not true. All die. That's not a... That's not a challenge either okay, for bye. people. Yeah, please don't. Just, yeah. No, don't. Okay. But okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, that was fun. That was 